Welcome to the Always Evolving Podcast. This is a podcast for those committed to always learning, always growing, always evolving into greater, more expansive versions of themselves. It's about living the life you want to live, a life most only dream about. Let's explore the possibilities together. I'm your host, Erica Boucher. My guest today is Sky Maria Bautenhaus. That's as good as I'm probably going to get with pronouncing your last name. Sky is the co-founder of GIFT, the Global Institute of Forest Therapy, and is currently the not-for-profit director of training there, as well as the co-founder of the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy. She has trained and personally mentored more than 100 people to follow their passions of becoming forest therapy guides. Her passion is to offer people the experience of returning home to a sense of belonging to the infinitely diverse web of life that is our beautiful planet Earth. Thank you so much for taking the time. Where are you calling from exactly? I am calling from Galway in the west of Ireland. Sky, you also have a school there in Ireland called earth dreaming, right? That's right. Yeah, I do. That's more for my non-international work. It's my local, my home zone work. I want to dive in by asking you, I've, I've been interested and curious about forest bathing for quite some time. I actually looked into, I, I'm, I'm a perpetual student. I'm always going through yoga trainings and herbal trainings and permaculture trainings and you name it because I just love learning. So I looked into forest bathing at one point thinking about maybe getting certified, but my knowledge of what it really is, is very limited. So what is forest bathing for somebody who's never heard of it? Yeah, well, first, just to acknowledge that I'm also a perpetual student, so it's good to meet you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, forest therapy, forest bathing, shindenyoku, as it's known in Japan, you know, which is translates to something like bathing in the atmosphere of the forest. So really forest therapy is, it's bathing in the atmosphere of the forest, but it's more, it's also bathing in intimate relationship with all the beings of the forest, whether they are conventionally considered animate and alive or not. So anything from an insect, a deer, to a tree, to a rock, to the sky, to a feeling in the air, you know, anything that we can connect with in that in that beautiful natural world environment. And really it's coming out of our mind-focused way of being and doing and really into the rest of our bodies. So it's sensory restoration. It's also when we create that space inside of ourselves by coming back to our senses and in a pleasurable way. So we're focused on coming back to our senses in a pleasurable way, which opens us, it relaxes the body. And through that inner spaciousness, different emotions and feelings can come up and also different realizations for our lives that we can then integrate outside of the, you know, the specific experience of forest therapy. So it's really the antidote to, you know, this busy, busy doing world that we find ourselves in in Western culture that is just showing increasing levels of stress in so many people. And so really, it's a way to come back to being, really being in our bodies and being following our pleasure and the therapeutic effects that come from that. I can absolutely relate to that. I crave 
about at least once a year, really getting out in the forest where we will just take a full week and go up into the mountains of North Carolina or into Tennessee is so therapeutic. I feel like a completely different person. And I can tell if something has happened where we, you know, have to miss a year, you know, where we, every year, we almost always will go and spend a week or two in the forest hiking and camping. And I can tell a difference in my mental and emotional state. So it is incredibly therapeutic. And for people who live in cities that don't really get all of that many opportunities to immerse themselves in nature like that, they may not even realize what they're missing. Absolutely. That's the thing. I think we can get so caught up in both the reality we've been exposed to in our life, you know, which for some people is very little contact with wilder places. And also just the doing nature of Western culture, you know, and often when we're in our do, do, do lives, and even if we're feeling stress, we might think that the answer to that stress is getting more done, you know, and actually what we need to do is just take a step back and be and feel ourselves again and come back to our wholeness as a human being. And, and it's so innate, this kind of experiencing and the, like what you just described, going to the mountains and, and immersing yourself in forest. It's such an innately human um, experience. And also it's our birthright, but, you know, and it's so simple, really, you know, but what gets complicated is the barriers we've put in place. So both our cultural barriers to taking the time to do something like this and also the inner barriers, you know, around telling ourselves what we should be spending our time with, focusing on the achieving so much in life. Yeah, it definitely is about priorities because I have to, I really have to make it a point to schedule it in. You know, and it's interesting because when we were trying to schedule this podcast, you basically told me I'm about to drop out of connection for a week. So let's touch base when I get back. And I loved that. How did you get started with this? And tell us a little bit more about your journey and how this has changed the way that you relate to nature. Yeah, it's always a hard question to answer or to know where to start when someone asks that. How did you get into this? You know, Because it's certainly some blessings of my childhood where I got to spend a lot of time roaming in the, the, the wild hazel woodlands, you know, or what's left of them in the west of Ireland and really getting that sense of freedom and what I see as an imprinting on nature. You know, I was a privilege to imprint on nature as an environment in which I learned about myself as a child. As an adult, I knew that I wanted to work somehow within the sphere of healing that I was seeing that was needed in the world. And, you know, first I started with science, environmental science, and asking seeing what needs to be found out still and then becoming quite disillusioned because of how I was seeing a lot of science was applied and what we're finding out and really feeling like we knew enough actually to be able to be positive stewards of this earth, you know? And so then I was like, well, it must be something practical. And I went to permaculture, which you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, learning some of these practical solutions and then realizing, wow, we really know the practical solutions. Why are we implementing them? So, you know, it kept going like a, a layer deeper. I kept asking, like, what's needed here? And and that's really when I got to nature connection work, but also specifically what I will call deep nature connection. So the difference being with nature connection is more like when we're a human moving through a natural landscape. So we might be 
going for a jog through the forest while listening to music compared to deep knee-jerk connection when we're really immersing ourselves and there's this what you could call communication or reciprocity, you know, where you're really feeling a sense of belonging to the natural world, not just being a human in or moving through the natural world. And that's what I see. Every person I've trained to be a forest therapy guide, their experience is one of coming home. They all speak of that, even if they've been someone who's been guiding people in nature for decades already. There's this sense of returning home of like, oh, I'm actually part of this. You know, that really changes things for people. And, you know, for me, a huge part of my own journey was that overcoming that human loneliness of feeling alone in the world when I really got to meet, well, Mother Earth, really, you know, and not just a concept in my mind of like, oh, yeah, Mother Earth, like she's my mother because I get everything I need from her. So she's like a mother, but actually feeling a sense of being able to go out into the wilder places around me needing support and really feeling like I was receiving that support. So really having an embodied experience of Mother Earth and that completely changed my life because I was never lonely again, even if I'm in a city. She's right under the under the tarmac or there's a plant sprouting through the crack in the pavement, you know, and nature is everything. I even include the buildings in that. It's not as vibrant. Certainly a concrete building is not as vibrant as a forest, but it's still using those elements of nature are still there. So it's tapping into this greater companionship, really. Yeah. And then how I specifically came to forest therapy and was that I was doing different kinds of deep nature connection work with people but I was really wanting to be of service in the sense of being part of a practice that was reaching more people and that I found was inclusive and inviting to just the everyday person you know who may have very little major connection experience in their life and yet was still a profound practice so and I really found that in forest therapy And that's why I decided to dedicate my time to bringing it further out into the world. It sounds to me like part of what I do is I teach communication and relationship skills. I think when I'm listening to you talk, I kind of think it's the same thing. We can be in a relationship with a lover or a a friend or family member. We can be with them in the same room and yet not be at all present and not feel connected and not be connected. And it sounds like the same thing. Like you said, we could be spending time in nature. We could be jogging through the forest with our earbuds in and we're not even really making that connection. So what I'm hearing is it sounds like you're really teaching people and inspiring people to establish that deeper, meaningful connection, to be fully present to this two-way relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And really the senses are our gateway to being present you know, coming back to our senses. And that's the five conventional senses, but there's all kinds of senses out there that are being discovered now, you know, like the imaginal sense, intuition, your heart sense, you know, like our hearts have a 10 foot electromagnetic field around us. So if we were actually sitting beside each other right now at chairs, we would literally be in each other's heart fields. And I don't know exactly what the heart field of a tree is, but I feel pretty sure they have something like that too. So that when you're sitting with the tree, you're sharing that space with the tree also. And I love your comparison. I mean, that's perfect. It really is building communication and relationship skills with the more than human world. But also forest therapy very much recognizes that 
in order for nature connection to be holistic and therefore truly transformational. It includes all of nature. So that's our own inner nature, our own inner landscapes, Mm -hmm. and also the human landscape. So connecting with other humans. So the importance of not doing nature connection work in isolation, which is why forest therapy is very much a group process, although of course it can be done one-on-one as well. And it can be done on your own in the forest as well, but the importance of also inviting in shared experience so that nature connection doesn't become another isolating factor, actually. This experience I have by myself that nobody else really understands, you know, going Mm. into that space. Oh, that's such a good way of putting it. Because I've had people tell me, you know, I just need to go live in a hut on a mountaintop all by myself, and then I'm going to be at peace. And I always say to them, how would you know? You just removed every outside stimulus. Obviously, you're still surrounded by nature, but but everybody is nature. So if we're telling ourselves, I'm going to eliminate people because people are the problem, but then I'm going to feel this connection to this tree, there's still a disconnect from ourselves if we're cutting people out of the equation. I'm so glad that you said that because I think that some people could interpret it that way, that this is, okay, I'm going to go connect with nature because people are too difficult to do that with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll find, you know, it will come up because so much of how we experience the world is coming from our own inner landscape that there really is, you can't get, like, you can't get away from that. I remember I was at a silent retreat one time and it was a hundred women silent. We did everything in silence. We ate in silence. We did daily chores in silence. And then we would do a sitting meditation and a walking meditation and a sitting meditation and a walking meditation pretty much all day into the night. We would only take breaks to eat. But again, that was in silence. And this was for seven days. And I remember, I always talk about this story because it was about three and a half days in. So about halfway in, I all of a sudden started getting really antsy. And I was checking in with myself like, okay, Erica, what has happened? There's absolutely no external stimulus because there, was, there were no TVs, there were no posters on the walls, there were no magazines. We were instructed to not even bring a book or a journal or anything. And like I said, three and a half days in, I started getting so antsy that I went to my room and started reading. I had snuck in a candy bar and I was reading the candy bar wrapper. I was looking for anything to distract myself because I was uncomfortable. And then I realized, okay, Erica, so nothing's happening. You haven't seen anything disturbing. Nobody has done or said anything to you. There's absolutely no outside stimulus going on here. So whatever it is that's going on is going on inside of you. So I had to come back to myself and observe my own thoughts. And it was so, it was just so eye-opening because I realized my own patterns of how often I look for things to distract me, whether it's social media or picking up the phone and calling a friend or going and getting something to eat. So what's, I think what's wonderful about forest bathing and really putting yourself in that environment is there are no distractions like that. You know, you're not going to go, hopefully you don't have internet connection. Hopefully you're unplugged and you're not checking your phone. And I would imagine just like with that silent retreat that every single day you find yourself going deeper and deeper and meeting yourself on deeper and deeper levels, meeting yourself, but meeting nature and whoever you might be in that environment with, but I would imagine it's kind of a, an unveiling that happens progressively over time, the longer that you're there. Yes, I definitely think so. I mean, I notice it because it's not just something you go and do as a practice. It's also a way of being, you know, and that's what we aim for too. It's certainly what I aim for teaching people. I don't want people to become, you know, 
that they have to come to forest therapy sessions their whole life and be guided. You know, it's also something we integrate and it's a way that we start to live our life. Like we start to listen more. We start to notice more. We start to observe more. We start to give gratitude more. You know, all these things come into our life. We catch ourselves with the distractions. You know, we come back to our bodies. We come back to our senses. We follow our curiosity and we notice what's pleasurable, the simple things of life that are pleasurable, that are actually offered in almost any moment, you know, Um, even if you're sitting inside, just coming to your body and noticing what your senses are picking up. And I think that's really the deepening is the integration like anything, you know, ceremonies, for example, it's always about integrating the experience in your life. It's not about escaping into an experience. Although that can be really helpful in the moment, in the bigger picture of things, it's deepening into life, really. Yeah. And, you know, people often ask me, you know, well, why do I need a guide for this? You know, (laughs) why do I need a forest therapy guide? Can't I just go into the forest? But like you were saying, noticing your own patterns of distracting yourself in that meditation retreat I've been teaching this for five years now and I need to go to forest therapy all the time. It's hard, especially by myself, to give myself that permission. You know, I often find that in a group of people when I know, even if I'm doing a solo invitation, which there are many of in forest therapy, just knowing there's other people out in the woods doing the same thing as I'm doing really gives me that permission to surrender into it. Whereas Mm. if I'm by myself, I'm often aware of what time it is should I actually be doing something else how long should I take to do this you know all these things because that's my cultural conditioning it's to do you know it's to move fast it's to be thinking a lot you know all these things that we kind of steer people away from really in forest therapy so that that veil to a different experience can be lifted I love that it's really community, even in, even in the forest, whether you're sitting in circle or you're off, kind of going off in your own direction for a while, but there's this sense of community. And I love that that's a part of this because you're right. I think my interpretation of this before this conversation with you was more about spending time in the forest and slowing down and establishing a connection. But in my mind, I wasn't really picturing that happening as part of a as a community. And I love that because I think that's one of the disconnects that people are feeling these days. I'm having the conversation so many times with people. If you look at the statistics around anxiety and depression and addiction and even suicide, they're higher than ever. And I think more than ever, people are feeling disconnected, disconnected from each other, disconnected from nature, disconnected from themselves. And what a beautiful way of bringing all of that together together. It's, it's really about deepening, deepening with yourself, deepening with nature, deepening with others. And I think that's what we as a society are missing, that deep connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a breathing in and out. You know, it's like we need that solo time. So a lot of the, you know, what forest therapy unfolds in a specific journey, like along with lots of invitations. And it's this breathing in and out of like doing the invitation, coming back and sharing you know, in circle or in pairs, you know, anything that feels comfortable about the experience that you want to share. But then a lot of the invitations themselves are solo because we need that time, you know, to really deepen into our own experience and our own connection. And but that part of sharing with each other and sharing in circle that, you know, feeling heard, feeling seen, 
shared experience and the permission that comes along with shared experience. You know, if mm-hmm. someone else talks about a sensual, intimate connection they had with the forest environment in some way, that gives other people in the circle permission like, okay, that's okay here. That's allowed here. We're saying that that's normal, you know, and that that's healing and that it's not just normal, that that's a valuable experience to be having. So it's giving that feedback as well. And it's also increasing our awareness by listening to other people's stories. Awareness could be simple awareness of just, you know, sensory noticings in the forest, or it could be like much more deeper inner awarenesses of perhaps a grief someone feels about their separation with the natural world around them, or it could be a grief that they have in their life or, you know, something that when they've found that inner space, it's actually had time to bubble up something that may have been consciously suppressed or not you know and Mm -hmm. so all of this sharing you know it brings such a richness to it the human sharing and that building trust in each other as well that's so important Mm. you've got me yearning to go spend some time in the woods again so I'm gonna have to make that happen pretty soon okay so some people live in cities with lots of tall high-rises how can people who don't have easy access to a forest tap into these benefits? What are some simple exercises that people can do? Yeah. So I first, I guess I'd like to speak to why we, why I focus on forest therapy specifically, you know, forest is a climax ecosystem. So it's very diverse. And as such, it has this really big diversity of beings that we can connect with when we're in the forest, but, and also that diverse, complex landscape acts as a mirror for our own inner landscapes so that often like in very simple ways where we can see things that happen outside of us as a metaphor you know we tend to be drawn to what it is that mirrors back what's going on inside ourselves so it can be very revealing the different connections that happen so that's why i focus on forests but really the invitations they work in any in any ecosystem so It doesn't have to be a forest anywhere where some wilder nature or just nature is present in any way you can connect. So what I would say is find the place where nature is most vibrant, but that's not a black and white, just most vibrant for wherever you are, whether that means... So that could be the beach. That could be the beach. Absolutely. The ocean is there. You know, there's beautiful therapeutic effects of being with the ocean, you know, many physiological, emotional, mental. And so absolutely any environment, it could be a city park. It could be that little bit of greenery that's somewhere near your house, you know, where there's a tree. And it's really incredible because nature is just everywhere. And she's amazingly also resilient and loves to pop up in lots of places. So you would be surprised who might live just around the corner when you take the time to notice. So there's this lovely practice called sit spot practice. I was just going to ask you about that. So simple, right? And yet totally life-changing. So So, what is that for somebody who hasn't heard of it? So what I think when I hear you say that, if we're talking about the same thing, for a while there, I was looking at this piece of property, like five acres of land, and it had a lot of trees. And I wanted to keep as many of them as possible. But I remember hearing somewhere that if you pick the same spot and you sit in it every day at the same time, and so let's say every morning I go find this particular tree and I sit at the base of that tree, that over time, nature's going to start to recognize me as part of it. And I'll start being visited by rabbits and birds and 
in a way that initially that that might not happen because I've kind of like shown up in their in their home environment and they might be afraid, but over time that that goes away and I start to integrate with them. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's definitely what I'm talking about. We can have this assumption that because we're such kind of loud creatures, humans, and, <laughs> and, and like not used to like having to be quiet or like a prey animal might be or a predator as well, hunting or anything. So we can be in our very human world. It's very easy to walk into a forest or somewhere like that and think nobody lives there. But actually they heard you coming way before you arrived, right? And so definitely that's an element of sit spotting where the natural world starts to become more comfortable with the natural world around you, I should say, because we are also part of nature. The natural world around you starts to become more comfortable with you over time. But yeah, just to go back a little bit to what is a sit spot practice, it's really, it is like you said, it's finding a spot and returning to it regularly. You know, every day, of course, is the most ideal. But if you can go there, you know, twice or more a week, that's fantastic as well, or anything that you can manage in your life. But to return to that spot, as much as you can. And also during different times of day, different seasons, different phases of the moon, you know, all these different times to be there. And, and the idea really is when you're there is that it's not that you're meditating or journaling or doing any of these practices. Although over time you might find you want to do that at your sit spot sometimes too, but the core of the practice is really to be there and to bathe in your senses. So really just noticing what your senses are telling you and following your curiosity with your senses in terms of where you put your attention. So it's really returning to your animal body in that sense. And and also it's about getting to know individuals. Like it's not just like, oh, there's a bird, but over time, well, who is that bird? And wow, is that actually the same individual bird? And oh my God, they're making a nest. Hmm. And wow, over time, the bird is becoming more comfortable to be closer to me as well, like you mentioned. And so it's getting to know individuals. It's getting to know species first, then it's getting to know individuals and it's getting to know place. It's like really infusing yourself again with a sense of belonging to place and all of the holding that comes from that and also the care that we want to give to the place as reciprocity for all that we're given and and yeah to go there for at least 20 minutes so teacher of mine john young talks about 20 minutes before the creatures around you will return to baseline a baseline is just being comfortable relaxed just doing their day-to-day you know activities Mm. so but also over time they'll get more used to you as well so maybe that time will get less perhaps when they get more used to you being there oh i love that so one of the other things, and I'm imagining this is probably a, a great exercise. When I was in my herbalism training, one of the things that she had us do at one point was we were all instructed, not unlike what you talked about, we all went off on our own and we found one plant and we were to sit with it. And I think we sat there for, it might've been 20 minutes. And it was just, we were supposed to just be present with this one plant, not sitting there kind of looking around at nature, but like really taking some time to connect with this plant. And it was really interesting to notice how the longer I was present with this one plant, the more I stayed present, the more I actually started to feel this connection and this 
this communication. I mean, I, the only thing, thing I can say is a bit like an intuitive interaction that was taking place between us and where I could feel it and I knew it felt me. And it was really beautiful. It was really a beautiful experience. And just like you described, we would all come back together and everyone would share and everybody had their own unique experiences and interactions and conversations with their plants. So is that another simple exercise that you would recommend? Like find, find a tree or a plant and sit and spend time with it and just feel your relationship with that one plant develop? What, what would you suggest? What other exercises? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's so beautiful what you just described. And there's a core invitation in forest therapy that has lots of different names, but it's basically going out and having a conversation with the tree, but you can expand it too. It wouldn't, if you feel called to, you know, a plant or even a stone, something that's considered not animate, you know, not living by Western culture. I mean, a stone would be considered the most ancient, you know, of any being on the planet by many indigenous cultures. So it all depends on your perspective. But anyway, just sticking with a tree for now um, to go out and actually have a conversation with that tree, like actually share with that tree who you are, anything you want by way of introduction and taking the time to listen. If that tree wants to introduce her, you know, himself or herself to you, in any way, and the way I always tell people, like the way to listen is just to be in full sensory engagement with that that tree and just seeing what might come out of that. Um, and like you were saying, you just felt this intuition of where you, how you were getting to know the plant in some way. I'm sure that you were feeling that in some kind of way, a specific way that this plant was was sharing with you. So, you know, really taking that time to listen and then perhaps you want to ask that tree for some support. There might be something in your life you are struggling with or just want to share about, you know, and and then again, taking that time to listen, that full sensory engagement. And then when you're finished, you know, always remembering to give thanks because the last thing we want to do with forest therapy is for it to be another unreciprocal resource extraction from the living world and so really building in that reciprocity to how you approach the more than human world as well and yeah and often there's like this imaginal sense you know the imagination it's funny how that oh it's just your imagination is something like children are considered to have and then as you grow up and be an adult you don't do that kind of thing anymore I think or believe those things anymore but often it's the imagination that allows us to make cross-species communication of some kind like from that sensory engagement like something just pops into our mind a realization of some kind maybe something we haven't seen before noticed before and that really helps us in life you know and then often I've had people say, well, how do I know? I'm not just projecting onto the tree. And I used to often ask myself that question too when I first started having these experiences. And then I came to an answer for myself, which was like, well, you know what? I'm probably never going to know. And where exactly I end and this tree starts is very vague anyway, because, you know, when we think of these these heart fields around us, you know, it might look like I end here and you start there, but actually we're sitting in each of those heart fields. So there's all this subtle communication going on. So it's really not as straightforward as maybe our culture would like us to think or how it physically looks. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's also like, is 
the communication I feel like I received or the realization I had while in relationship with this tree, is it bringing more connection and love into the world? And if it is, and I, when I mean by connection, I mean connection to self or each other or to the more than human world. If it's bringing more of that in, then it sounds like a good thing to me. And I'm going to, I'm going to take that as a gift and integrate it in some way. I believe that ultimately there's only one of us here. You know, we, we think of ourselves as all these separate individuals and we are separated by these, these bags of skin that we're in, but ultimately on that deep, deep level, we're all connected with each other, with nature. So yeah, how, do you, how would you draw that line and say, well, that was just me imagining a response. Like how do we know how would nature communicate to us other than a feeling in our body or a thought that suddenly pops into our mind or a sensation that we have? Like, how would it communicate with us any other way? So it's kind of fascinating. We have to be open to the experience and allow communication to happen in ways beyond just verbal words coming from somebody else. It's, yeah. it, and for me, what I, the words that keep popping up for me as you're talking is, mindfulness, it's really about being mindful of what's happening in the moment, being present and respect, like respecting nature. And like you said, having gratitude for whatever just transpired between you and and this forest or this tree or this plant. And I think even in the herbalism training, one of the conversations we had was about, you know, before you go trim a tree in your yard, have a conversation with the tree. Is it okay? I'm doing this to help you be stronger. Is it okay? And really having that respectful interaction. I thought that was really beautiful too. Mindfulness and respect and connection. It's such a beautiful way of being in the world. What was popping into my mind just listening to you there is this word, which I've never used before, but bodyfulness, perhaps mm-hmm. rather than mindfulness. You know that, that we, it's coming from a place of full presence in our whole body, which includes our minds also. It's not, you know, there's an overemphasis on using our minds to Mm -hmm. be in the world in Western culture, but it's also not saying that the mind is bad, you know, either. It's just that there's this overemphasis. And so we need to rebalance ourselves into the other ways we can be present and experience the world. Mm, the other totally kind of, I like to call them the gateways, you know, the heart, the mind, spirit, soul, all these different ways of experiencing that you actually can't separate from each other like that. But for the sake of talking about them, you know, to name them in that way. We are so limited by language, aren't we? Well, our language creates our reality. So it's really important. That's something that I, you know, is this ongoing learning journey for me is finding the language, especially when we're doing something like nature connection, because as soon as we say nature, it means there's something else that's not nature. And unfortunately, in Western culture, humans often are put in the arena of like, not nature, you know, not nature, separate from nature. And so you could say nature and everybody immediately has a different interpretation, a different assumption, a different belief system. Yeah, that's it. And that's that's what I kind of call culturally loaded words. Like ones I try to stay away from are things like meditation, mindfulness, you know, because everyone, especially now, because they're they're being recognized as these really valuable practices. But, you know, people often have like different experiences with those. And so I find that deep nature connection is just an innately human way of being. And so to just try to put as little as possible in the way 
between a person and having that experience. I call that widening the gateway or the door as making that as wide as we can to invite the most amount of people through it. And one way of doing that is not to put any kind of belief system that people have to buy into in order to access the experience. Mm. So keeping it as culturally neutral as, as possible. And while knowing that that's impossible, which is the paradox, but, you know, with that awareness, being very sensitive to, yeah, belief systems. Very well put, very well put, because you're right. You say the word meditation and, and some people are going to immediately push back on that. Certainly a learning I'm having very much in my life the last few years is this paradox, you know, trying to name something and then trying to name the unnameable and yet find the right words to be the gateway to the unnameable. So. Well, I really, really have enjoyed this conversation so much. Thank you for taking the time. So how can people get a hold of you? You're co-founder of GIFT, the Global Institute of Forest Therapy, and they can find out more at www.giftoftheforest.com. And then there's theearthisdreaming.com, which is your school there in Ireland, right? Yeah, yeah, you got that. Perfect. So how else would somebody find you? Just one of those two ways. Are you on Facebook? Are you on Instagram? It feels funny to even ask you this because I feel like that's probably something you wouldn't even want to be bothered with. And yet at the same time, that's a part of our world today. So how would somebody connect with you if they wanted to or follow what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a Facebook page for Earth Dreaming, a Facebook page for the Global Institute of Forest Therapy as well. And, you know, there's there's contacts, there's, you can message, you know, us or message me personally through either of those platforms, you know, and you can get directly to me personally. Do you have anything coming up that you think you want to tell people about any experiences or events or retreats that you want to share in case somebody's interested? And then when we're done, I want to have a conversation with you about potentially collaborating on something together in the future. But what do you have coming up in the future that people might be interested in? Well, something I'm really excited that's coming up in Ireland is a course I'm running called Dancing the Earth Dream. And really, when I say Earth Dream, it's it's talking about as humans, we are part of the collective Earth Dream. And to fully embody that is to come into our gifts and those special, unique things that we've brought into the world with us as, in, as our individual selves. And so Dancing the Earth Dream, it's a course on the pedagogy of nature connection. So you know, I really love teaching forest therapy, and but I also am drawing from a broader palette for this training, and it's five weekends, and that can be taken as just a single weekend or the whole series leading to a certificate and competency of the pedagogy of nature connection. And it's really le- learning the different tools for or what I like to call gateways. So there are different ways into nature connection. So it's going to be exploring forest therapy as really a way to return to belonging. It will be exploring the work that reconnects and the way of counsel to really repair our relationships to self and each other and the more than human world. And we'll also be looking at what it means to quest, what it means to go out into the natural world around us with a specific question or asking for guidance. So through sitting with a fire all night by oneself as part of a community doing that. And also exploring the Eight Shields model for a deep nature connection and cultural repair. So really looking how all these different practices fit together and how from out of deep nature connection as our roots, how we can integrate that into cultural design. So like a really broad range of 
different ways to do nature connection work, either for people who just want to experience it for themselves or learn to step into being a nature guide themselves. So I'm excited to offer that for the first time. And then with the forest therapy guide trainings, we have one coming up in Ontario at the end of May, but it's completely chock-a-block-a-full with a waiting list. But we also have our first one coming up in the UK, in England, in July. So that's the, the eight-day intensive beginning to the six-month journey of becoming a forest therapy guide. So the forest therapy guide training is through the GIFT website. So that's the one that you said, giftoftheforest.com. And then the Pedagogy of Nature Connection series is I'm offering that in Ireland, and that's through the theearthisdreaming.com. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. This has really been enjoyable, and you've definitely got me feeling a, the yearning to go out and spend some time outside. So I think that's probably what I'm going to do after we get off this call. So thank you so much for taking the time for this conversation. Thank you so much, Erica. I've also really enjoyed speaking with you, and thank you for inviting me on here. This podcast is brought to you by my book, Showing Up Naked. Peel away the layers to your authentic self so you can live the life you want to live. Find out who you are and why you're here. Understand the messages your emotions have been trying to send you for years. And learn how to make even the most challenging relationships work. Find out why Showing Up Naked is being hailed as the best life workbook you will ever read. I've got a special limited time offer for you right now when you visit www.showingupnaked.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Always Evolving. Please feel free to share this episode with anyone you think might appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this podcast, let me know by giving me a five-star rating. Until next time, keep learning keep growing, keep evolving.